Hi, my name is Jesse Thomas, and today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language, and they used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and hearted them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. And that way the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city is called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. This is the word of God. Hey Grace242, when I was a kid, my family would drive us through downtown Chicago. And as we would pass downtown, my dad would point out this tall black building. And he'd say, see that tall building with two antennas on top? He'd tell us, that is the Sears Tower. And the Sears Tower is the tallest building in the world. And I just was in awe. I was like, wow, I just thought this was the most amazing thing. Now, most people take until their adulthood to turn into their parents, but I apparently got in on the transition to becoming my parents early, because as a middle schooler, I was riding a bus through downtown Chicago to Camp Manitoba, and I pointed out to my friends on the bus, I said, see that tower? That's the Sears Tower. That's the tallest tower in the world. <laughs> so I did exactly what my dad told me, and my friends were like, cool. So it felt good as a middle school kid to know this point of trivia. Now in 1996, the Sears Tower lost its title to tallest building in the world. And it lost its title to the Petronas Towers in Malaysia. And a controversy ensued because the spires of the Petronas Towers in Malaysia rise 33 feet higher than the roof of the Sears Tower. However, the Sears Tower still has a higher occupiable floor than the Petronas Towers. The problem is that the Sears Tower's spires, or antennas, do not count, according to the Council on Tall Buildings, as part of the building's height. And because the Malaysian Petronas Towers have spires, and the Sears Tower has antennas, the Petronas Tower claimed the title. Well, today the argument is moot anyway, because the tallest tower in the world is Burj Khalifa in Dubai, and it's the tallest by a long shot. However, Jeddah Tower in Saudi Arabia is set to overtake Burj Dubai. The problem is Jeddah Tower is only a third of the way constructed and the construction is indefinitely on hold. Now that I'm an adult, I've completed the process of transitioning into my parents. And so I get to geek out on skyscrapers all I want. And today, we get to geek out together on the world's tallest building and we get to geek out specifically on the world's first tallest building, the Tower of Babel. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to start with verses 1 and 2. And as you're turning there, let me just give you a little tip for your own Bible reading. When you're reading your Bible on your own, pay attention to the location of events. Because the biblical authors signal things for us simply based on the location. 
And the biblical authors are going to signal something for us with the location of the events around the Tower of Babel in verses 1 and 2. Let's read Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. At one time all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Now verse 2 tells us that the people are moving eastward. Now that's a clue. As you read your Bible, especially in Genesis, an eastward movement signals that bad things are about to take place. Whenever the people go east, that's a signal that something bad is about to happen. For instance, when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden because of their sin, they exit through the entrance, which is to the east. Cain, after murdering his brother Abel, traveled east. When Abraham and Lot separated, Lot traveled east to the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The tip for you is when you're reading your Bible, pay attention to location because eastward movements signal something bad is about to happen. And here we see people moving east in verse 2 already. So the biblical authors are signaling to us that something bad is about to happen. And look at where they settle. The people settle in the land of Babylonia. Other texts say Shinar, but the NLT translate that for us to the plains of Babylonia. Now, think about your Bible knowledge. Babylonia is also a signal that bad stuff is about to happen. Because who is the nation that conquers the Jews and hauls them off into exile? Babylon. And when the people are hauled off from Jerusalem to Babylon, that is an eastward move. So eastward movements signal something bad is about to happen. And something bad is about to take place right here in Genesis 11. And those of us who learn this story in Sunday school already know the bad thing that is about to happen. And that bad thing is the construction of the Tower of Babel. But why is the construction of a tower a bad thing? I mean, God told us to continue creating. Why would the construction of a tower be such a bad thing? Well, today I want to explore three reasons why the construction of the Tower of Babel was displeasing to the Lord. Let's look at our first reason in Genesis 11, and we'll read verses 3 to 4. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. The people say, Let's build a tower that reaches to the sky. But why? Because this will make us famous. This will make much of us. This feat of engineering will be a testament to our greatness, to our power, to our might. This will make much of us. Why was the Tower of Babel a bad thing? Because it was built in pride. Here's my definition of pride. Pride is the sinful elevation of oneself to the status of God. Now most definitions will say something like pride is inflated arrogance or something like that. But I think it's important to recognize as Christians that pride is more than just arrogance. Pride is a usurpation of the status of God. Pride is taking God off of his throne and placing us on God's throne. Pride is making us God. Now you might say, wow, you'd have to be pretty arrogant to swap yourself with God. I don't think I'm that arrogant. I mean, yes, I have some sins. I, I'm prone to some domineering here and there, but I don't, I don't go so far as to put myself in the position of God. And my question for all of us is, have you ever sinned? And the answer, of course, is yes, we've all sinned. 
And if you have ever sinned, then you have been guilty of pride and you are guilty of swapping yourself with God. Because all sin is rooted in the want, in the lust, in the desire for the status of God and to be God ourselves. Here's how Christian author Lewis Smedes talks about pride. Smedes says, Pride in the religious sense is the arrogant refusal to let God be God. It is to grab God's status for oneself. In the vivid language of the Bible, pride is puffing yourself up in God's face. Pride is turning down God's invitation to join the dance of life as a creature in his garden and wishing instead to be the creator, independent, reliant on one's own resources. Never does pride want to pray for strength, ask for grace, plead for mercy, or give thanks to God. Pride is the grand illusion, the fantasy of fantasies, the cosmic put on. Pride is at the root of all sin. In fact, the first sin, the way sin came into the world, was in fact pride. Because Adam and Eve wanted God's status for themselves. They wanted to be the creator, as Lewis Smedes just said. Pride is wanting to seize the status of God for yourself. It's wanting to determine right and wrong for yourself. Adam and Eve did not trust God to define right and wrong. They wanted the power to define right and wrong themselves. And we do this all the time because we live in a world that encourages pride, that puffs us full of pride. We got phrases like, whatever floats your boat. We have phrases like, your truth, as if Two different people can have different types of truth and truth is relative. And we have phrases like, well, you do you. Why was the Tower of Babel bad? Because it was built in pride. And the Tower of Babel was bad because it was built as a place of worship of self. It was a place of self-worship. Look at Genesis 11 verse 4 and we'll read the first part of the verse. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. The people say, let's build this place of worship for ourselves that is going to reach up into the sky, reach up into the heavens. The Tower of Babel wasn't a skyscraper like the Sears Tower or like Burj Khalifa. And even though we don't know how tall the tower was, it most certainly was nowhere near as tall as our modern skyscrapers today. No, the Tower of Babel is something called a ziggurat, which is a step pyramid type building. Ziggurats were temples. They were high places. They were constructed as meeting places between the people and the gods. The steps on the side made it possible for people to ascend to the top of the ziggurat, and the god would descend from heaven to meet the person on the top of the ziggurat. Look at 11 verse 4 again. The people say, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. So they're saying, let's build a place of worship. But a place of worship for whom? Well, look at the rest of verse 4. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. The Tower of Babel was not a place of worship for God. The Tower of Babel was a place of self-worship because the people in their pride saw themselves as God. So the people are worshiping themselves. They're building a worship site, a temple to themselves, to their own glory, to their own power, to their own might, to their own God status. Why was the Tower of Babel a bad thing? Because it was built as a place of self-worship. And we worship ourselves all the time. In fact, we live in a narcissistic, self-obsessed culture that trains us to worship ourselves. Just as one example, think of the front-facing camera in our phones. Think of the selfie. 
Before we had these front-facing cameras, you couldn't see yourself in the picture that you were composing. You either had to just take that camera and turn it around upon yourself, or you had to ask somebody else to take your picture. And so you'd all get lined up, and then that person holding the camera would say, say cheese, and you would just put a smile on your face and, and hope you didn't look dumb. And you just have to see how the picture turned out. Now that we have front-facing cameras, we can train the camera upon our own complexion, upon our own image, upon ourselves, and now we can actually adjust our complexion, adjust our image into the exact perfect way that we want. We compose the picture so we have this perfect image of ourselves, and then from there, we not only have this perfect image of ourselves, but we can send that onto social media, and now we can hope for likes and comments and praise from others at the image of what? of ourselves. If you're hearing this message and you're just wondering, okay, where can I confront pride in my life? Then a good starting point for all of us is cut down on social media. And if you don't use social media, then just cut down on technology in general. Less phone usage, less computer usage, less tablet usage. Just cut technology and social media down. Because the whisper of technology is you can have whatever you want exactly the way you want it, exactly when you want it. The whisper of technology is, you are God. And so one easy way for all of us to begin to confront pride in our lives and recover our status as God's creations rather than the creator is to reject this tool that culture uses to train us in pride. Cut down on technology. Not only was the ziggurat at Babel a place of worship of self, it was also an attempt to ascend to heaven on our own terms. You'll notice in these images of ziggurats that they have steps on the side so that people could ascend the building. They could walk up into heaven, as it were. Here's how the NIV renders Genesis 11, verse 4. It says, Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Babel was humanity's prideful ascent of God's space. It was us building a ladder to ascend on our own terms to the realm of God. We said that pride is the swapping of ourselves for God. It is placing ourselves on God's throne. And where's God's throne? Well, it's in the heavens. And so to place ourselves on God's throne is an assault on heaven, the space that belongs to God itself. And so it's us, in some ways, invading heaven on our own terms. It's us thinking so much of ourselves that we can just get to God's space, that we can get to God's position, that we can get to the heavenlies on our own and on our own terms and under our own power. Something that I've been working on in myself lately is, what's my attitude when I come into worship on Sunday? Am I coming into God's space under my own terms? Or am I coming into God's space on His terms? Am I coming into God's space to get something out of it and get what I want? Or am I coming into God's space to give God what He deserves and meet Him in this space and praise Him and make much of Him? We're in a unique position as a church right now that we've been in basically since the start of 2020. We're in what feels like this temporary space, this temporary configuration, and I know a lot of us, and I count myself as one of these people, have been waiting way longer than we thought we would have to wait for the Lord to show us our new space or the next step for us as a church. I know the Bible says wait on the Lord, but man, it feels like we've been waiting a long time. And I know that given our 
temporary, liminal, challenged configuration as a church right now is going to be a challenge for me personally because when I come into worship, it still has to be about what God deserves and what God asks of me and not about what I want or what I want to get out of a worship service. Because when I come into God's space, it needs to be on His terms to make much of Him, not to make much of myself or for me to get what I want out of it. And so as a church body, we're faced with a challenge right now. How are we coming into God's space? Are we launching an offensive upon heaven so that we come in to try to get something that we want out of it? Or are we entering God's space on His terms, ready to make much of Him? We ascend to the heavenlies. We ascend to God's space to bring our offerings to Him, to make much of Him, to spend time being with Him, to praise Him with our lips. We ascend to the heavenlies to make much of God. Why was the Tower of Babel a bad thing? Well, number one, it was built in pride. Number two, it was built as a place of self-worship. And this brings us to number three, and we're going to read Genesis 11. We'll read verse 1, and then we'll read verses 4 through 8. Read with me. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. Now let's pick it up at 4. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. The third reason why the Tower of Babel was a bad thing is because it was an attempt to stay cloistered. Even in verse 4, the people say, this will keep us from being scattered all over the world. The people's attempt to remain cloistered was in direct violation of the creative mandate in Genesis 1 verse 28, where God issues this command. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. God commanded humans from the beginning to fill the earth, to multiply, not to stay cloistered together. And here again, pride rears its ugly head because the people say, we don't have to listen to God. We can determine right and wrong for ourselves. We're God ourselves. And so we don't have to spread out all over in the world. In fact, we're just going to stay cloistered, huddled together. This tower will keep us from being scattered because we want to stay close together. Before I became the pastor of Grace 242, I met with Tim Harrison who told me about Grace. Tim Harrison was my predecessor, and, and Tim said, one of our strengths at Grace is we really truly do love one another. And as your pastor now, I have to say, Tim was right. And I'm proud to say that Grace 242 really does live into 1 John 4, 7, which says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Now, I think a lot of pastors might look at 1 John 4, 7 and say, there they go again with God's lofty ideals for the church. The, those pastors might say, how am I ever supposed to get to 1 John 4, 7 as a church when I'm just trying to get my church to not hate one another? I can't imagine loving one another. And I have to say that Grace 242 has shown me that 1 John 4, verse 7 can be attained in this life, this side of heaven. People truly can love one another and show it in the church. It's one of our greatest strengths, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of all of you for making that 
part of our culture. Now that being said, the danger for us will be cloistering. We'll be loving one another so well that we actually become so inward focused and so cloistered that outsiders and others who could potentially become part of our community can't become part of our community because we're so focused on ourselves already. I love our name, Acts 2.42. I love the vision and in many ways I'm proud to say that we are living the vision of Acts 2.42. However, Acts 2.42 comes with the danger of becoming so focused on one another, so focused on our own community, so cloistered together that we actually exclude and don't allow outsiders to come into our community and become part of us. We love one another well and that makes me so proud. But let's not let our love for one another preclude us from neglecting God's command to be fruitful and multiply, to multiply disciples of Jesus, to welcome others into the family of Jesus. Why was the Tower of Babel bad? Because it was human pride. Humans worshiping themselves. Humans assuming the status of God for themselves. Humans making themselves God. So as you walk away from this message today, ask yourself, where am I guilty of pride? Search yourself, search your life, and say, where have I put myself in the position of God? Where have I played the role of God in my life? Where have I seized God's status and defined right and wrong for myself instead of humbling myself before God? Where have I placed myself on God's throne instead of allowing God to rule my life? And when you put your finger on those areas, confess. Remember last week's message and the importance of confession? And remember that when you confess and when you bring that before the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Where are you guilty of pride in your life? At the Tower of Babel, the people pridefully invaded God's space by building a tower to the heavens. And Genesis 11 verse 5 tells us, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. The people pridefully ascend to the heavens and the Lord comes down. We see this cycle of sin and pride over and over again, even through chapters 3 through 11 of Genesis. I mean, we're just coming off of the flood narrative where God has just wiped out the earth, cleansed it of sin, and already the people are back to their prideful and sinful ways. But God came down. Many years later, and many cycles of sin and pride later, God would come down again. Only this time, He came down as one of us to break the cycle of sin and pride, to restore us, to save us, to adopt us into His family, to restore our status as God's image bearers, as His created, beloved humans. At Babel, the people ascend to the heavens pridefully, and God comes down. And we still today, in our pride, place ourselves in the position of God. But God comes down. Only this time He comes down as one of us, to go to the cross, to rise in three days, to save us, and to break the cycle of sin and pride in our hearts. Praise be to you, Lord Jesus. Love you, Grace242. I'll see you next week.